0: to our second episode my name is togo my name is Naman. yeah and today we're going to talk about uh, the 2018 movie burning by the director lee chang dong and we're just going to talk about our experiences with the film how we process the film and uh talk about uh, a little bit of the director and the characters etc
1: yeah um thanks for joining us on our second episode if you listen to our first one um, we apologize for the thank you (laughs) we apologize for the sort of fast-paced and glitchy editing but I guess that's what the podcast gods wanted from us Um, so yeah do you want to talk about your impression of when you first watched and also when you watched rewatched Burning?
0: so um, when I first watched the film I think I really enjoyed the aspects of kind of being taken by surprise all the kind of um, things that gets said in the movie and then that gets negated afterwards, and you know you don't know which one was real. Like, was the cat real or was it not? So all those questions I really enjoyed watching, but I didn't really kind of like process or think uh, too deeply about it. And I obviously really enjoyed that um, dancing scene of Hammy dancing, you know, in the sun sunrise to the Miles Davis score. i found like that. score to be used in other movies too and i was kind of really just also curious as to why um the director chose that um score specifically for that scene uh did he knew about these other movies that used it uh in the scenes of like just woman kind of looking on the lookout for something so i had those kind of thought processes but um i i did really truly enjoy my experience
1: Yeah. yeah me too um yeah, so I probably watched it in 2019 for the first time. And mm-hmm. ever since then, the movie's always kind of been in the back of my mind in certain situations. I felt like um whatever the protagonist, Jingsu has experienced was kind of like, in a kind of dreamlike quality, it was also kind of my memories. Mm. I think the movie has set that sort of impression in me, and that's what I really like about it. On top of that, I like the way they explore modern korean culture and i think the characters are really interesting i feel like there are certain qualities about them that maybe i can also relate to a little bit mm-hmm. and just the fact that i could see myself as jingsu and just almost feeling like i've met this girl and like <laughs> <laughs> she was this like really um free and this manic spirit i somehow feel like i went through that experience um and with Stephen Yeun's character, Ben, um, it just makes me feel like, well, I, I don't like that character. <laughs> First of all, let me say that. Yeah. <laughs> in the second, in my second rewatch, it just made me wonder, hey, like, I hope I don't come off that way to people because um, in a way, like, Stephen Yeun's character is someone who's well traveled and he comes back to Korea potentially from being in other parts of the world. And it just made me think: What if I go to my home country and start talking about all these things I saw? And it just comes off as this really mm, snobbish, snobby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I really liked your description of how it's kind of like reflective of how memories are formed in us. Like when mm-hmm. I recall my childhood memories, sometimes I often question like which parts are real. Like I get that gut feeling that yes, it's mostly real, but sometimes. Um, like some of the memories are really vivid and really specific that I almost feel like Mm -hmm. was that my imagination or like or was did it really happen and I guess it just kind of alludes to the fact that our perceptions of like if we experience the same event our perceptions of it is so different and every time we recall our memories we construct it like in different ways so mm-hmm. that really gets translated so well into this film mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of crazy how at one point yeah. the director really was able to capture that like this fleeting yeah. essence of memory and like mm-hmm. looking back on experiences yeah, yeah. um I also I guess the
1: suspense aspect of this movie was really expertly done mm-hmm. um what I thought was that in contrast to more traditional suspense thrillers such as more Hitchcock style thriller Mm -hmm. um, this movie instead of building from this huge array of clues into like smaller and smaller Mm -hmm. and then finally coming to reach a conclusion this Mm -hmm. movie kind of goes the Mm -hmm. other way right Mm -hmm. you start with kind of a relatively normal plot and then like it just keeps on growing and growing until the mysteries just become like Even bigger mystery. Yeah, you just can't even Mm -hmm. hold on to them anymore. So I kind of like the way they turned this movie into something that is, I guess, the opposite of Mm -hmm. what you'd normally expect from a suspense movie.
0: Yeah, and I remember reading that the director really didn't want to explain the film too much because he said that because he is a former author... I think he still writes, I'm not too sure. Um, but he was definitely a former author before he um, transitioned into making films. Mm-hmm. So he was saying that if I wanted to explain something to someone, I would just write about it. Like, why would I bother with making movies, right? Mm-hmm. The thing about movies is that they can capture mis- like mystery in a way that I guess writing can capture, but it's just direct. And I really like that you don't get a conclusion. And then it kind of gives you a space to think about your own experiences yeah i think this quality also gives it gives the movie sort of
1: dream like mm-hmm. was it in your memory type of mm-hmm. experience
0: yeah
1: and i guess we should quickly summarize the movie um so burning is set in south korea and it follows the protagonist Su, who's an aspiring novelist and he lives in a small town where his family owns a cattle farm it seems like he's Lives in the northern part of South Korea, where they're really located close to North Korea. And in the beginning of the movie, he meets um, an old friend or an old classmate, and acquaintance, Hae Mi, who's working as sort of like this Abercrombie model in front what? of a <laughs> yeah. in front of a store, and um, letting white
0: people in. Yeah, advertises
1: what's going on in the store. Hmm. And throughout the movie, um, Jung-soo eventually ends up getting feelings for Heimi. Um, But all of that is disrupted by when Heimi goes to Africa. And she brings back this friend who's played by Steven Jung, this guy Ben. His name is Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Super um, suited and, name. Yeah. Well-chosen name. And Ben is this guy who's really different from jung He seems like he's a lot wealthier at um, even at such a young age and like he's the exact opposite yeah he's often. the exact opposite yeah. of Junsu, and he's kind of a creepy guy he says stuff like <laughs> I like burning greenhouses for fun it's the only thing that you know mm-hmm. makes me feel stuff mm-hmm. and um, in the middle of the movie Heimi actually disappears and thanks to all the evidence um, Su reaches the conclusion that Ben killed Heimi because mm-hmm. of you know, his weird collection of women's items in his bathroom. Um,
0: yeah, and then the cat. Um, yeah, the cat. Yeah.
1: Um, and jung has all this rage riled up towards Ben. And at the end of the movie, he kills Ben. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, also we should note that throughout this movie, there's this common theme of discussing between two different types of hunger that Heimi brings up, Mm -hmm. and there's she distinguishes between um, the great hunger and then the little hunger that is, I think, something that community in Kenya Kenya
0: distinguish between. Yeah, they have like a dance for it, like a dance to express the different types of hunger.
1: Mm -hmm. And the little hunger is something that's more primal. I guess it's about satisfying your Immediate mm-hmm. physical needs, right? Um you need like food, you need shelter, um, but then the great hunger is more about satisfying your spiritual or your existential
0: existential
1: needs, mm-hmm. yes. Um, where you it satisfy your cravings for
0: finding a meaning. Yeah, in finding life. a
1: meaning in life. Yeah and or so on. Finding, yeah.
0: Creating your own meaning.
1: Um yeah so speaking of the characters what is your impression of a guy
0: like ben (laughs) um a guy like ben um obviously there's definitely guys like ben um definitely don't want to go on a date with him um i don't think i just uh to me he's just way too empty like inside yeah to even enjoy simple things not Mm -hmm. even simple just enjoy life i don't think he gets enjoyment out of life uh, as much enjoyment out of life as I do. So, um, yeah, so definitely not a type of guy to <laughs> date. But it's interesting. It's like he's an interesting character. Almost, I remember you said his character, like in the movie, is almost like caricature, right? Yeah, he seems like, the, name, right? like not a real person to me. Yeah, exactly. Almost like culmination of that kind of people, like taken to a little bit of extreme yeah. to kind of... Um, address that point, stress that point a little bit more strongly. Yeah,
1: I said that because to me he is sometimes condescending to a degree of not being socially acceptable, yeah. <laughs> and he says stuff like "I don't work, I play." And stuff <laughs> like-
0: <laughs> um, yeah, he. Oh yeah, he says like, even if I tell you, you wouldn't understand. Oh yeah, he, that's his attitude about like things that like the people like Jungsu or Hami is just not gonna understand the kind of the plane of existence that existence that he lives on mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to bother explaining it to them. So he has that kind of attitude. So Ben as a guy is really empty. Really he's deep inside there's just so much void mm-hmm. that he himself doesn't know how to fill. Um yeah. so he's just, you know, stuck with it.
1: I think his attitude towards Hamie is that he sees her not as like a person that he's actually friends yeah. with but someone that he can almost collect, right? Mm-hmm. Someone that he can like entertain himself with. Yeah. And the way he says describes her is something like. No, I think Amy says he thinks I'm interesting. He likes people like
0: me or something like that yeah he finds people like me interesting um yeah so it's almost like how ben approaches people or like how he treats other people is as like a social experiment Mm -hmm. he's just there to kind of analyze and you know that's that's how he views his interactions Mm -hmm. Uh, with other people is just kind of like an experiment that he is observing them uh so it's always like what are they going to... Are they going to be exciting? Are they going to be fun? Mm-hmm. That's what he thinks. He never thinks about what he's bringing <laughs> into that two-person interaction. Um, yeah. It's really, like, one-sided kind of amusing amusement, you know? He just wants to be amused, and that's all he really wants in yeah. life. Yeah,
1: and he even says it himself. He says, I think the only time he feels the most is when he's burning those greenhouses, right? Which is, like... He literally knows that he's just super empty, and he also says something like, I never cried and stuff like that, which just (laughs) seems so ridiculous. Yeah, he's
0: like, so I never cried, so I guess I never felt a great, like a real sadness Mm -hmm. or stuff like that. It's really detached from human living experience. Uh, Alive people, people who are breathing, people do cry, then you should go and cry some more. He definitely didn't cry up until, well, I guess if it was true that he didn't cry, he definitely um, was the only guy on earth who didn't cry till he died. Because he did, he he, he Did he cry? Did he, he, did, he didn't cry. Well, he didn't cry even then. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. And to him, Haimi is really disposable, right? Like, yeah. in the beginning, we see him hanging out with his friends along with Haimi and Jisoo. Um, Jisoo? Mm-hmm. What is it? Jisoo? jung <laughs> Come on! Okay, and so... That's okay. Yeah, so we see that Haimi is really disposable to Ben, right? Because in the first part of the movie, we see um, Ben hanging out with his friends, as well as Haimi and Jung-soo. Mm-hmm. And Haimi keeps on going on to this monologue about, like, how she watch the dance in Kenya, the dance mm-hmm. of the great hunger. And Ben's just kind of looking at his friends or just like, he's just kind of scanning the environment. Like, look what I brought to the table this time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And at the end of the movie, we see him with another girl who goes, mm-hmm. who's going on about this other monologue it's about the same Chinese pattern. people, right? Yeah, it's the same and pattern. it's just like, he's showing his friends, look what kind of a girl I got mm-hmm. now. Um, un- in contrast, when we look at Jong Soo, Heimi is actually an enormous... Part of his life yeah, it's once like a she's point introduced. of real interest
0: yeah. almost.
1: Yeah, he just she occupies a huge part of his mm-hmm. very barren life.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then also the fact that like Ben is like yawning even when she's doing the great dance, and also like how people perceive her when she is showing a lot of like expressing a lot of her emotions. She lets it out. She's, she cries, I don't know how many times. She cries a lot in the movie. She lets her emotions out. And for some reason, it's almost like to those people, like Ben's friends, it's almost like a vulgar thing. They yeah. just kind of like oh, look at her, you know, with her petty little dance. and. Mm-hmm. What else did you have on Ben? <laughs> on Any ben? other thoughts? Well, yeah.
1: we're going to have to talk about him further on for sure, but I think we should leave it at that. Let's, yeah. let's talk about jung Jung-su. what is your impression of Jong Soo would you <laughs> would you go out with him <laughs>
0: um okay oh, I think um, I think he comes off as really closed person like We're not really off. yeah closed off person so I'm not sure if um my first thought would be wanting to go on a date I don't think it would be it's just if I get to know him a bit more maybe yeah. but um so Su is definitely is kind of in a writer's block yeah. <laughs> he, he's really <laughs> in a deep writer's block but um at least one thing i kind of sense from his like he knows what he wants to do like he know he at least has a bit of a goal that he perceives as meaningful like becoming an author yeah. like writing Amy thinks oh that's really cool right he's, that's interesting he's a lot less empty compared to ben yeah, ben. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah he's not uh empty um mm-hmm, his yeah. favorite author is like Faulkner and like you know he's able to express his like um I guess experience too like when he says oh when I read Faulkner like I mm-hmm. can see myself in him that's yeah. why I like him right so it's not as empty he's not like an empty consumer of things mm-hmm. so yeah um I can. not would you go on a
1: date with him? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I think if I were Heimi, I would want to go on a date with him.
0: Yeah, exactly. I can, I
1: can see the connection that they have and Yeah. Hey has a certain impression of Jung-soo, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. Um, but we can talk more about that later. Um I think it's really interesting, like, as I said, this movie I think has a lot of levels, like a lot of layers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on the surface level, I think the comparison between Ben and Jong soo is made very Clear, like you see this clear contrast between wealthy and not wealthy, urban and pastoral. Mm -hmm. And you also see the contrast between globalized versus constrained in the case of Mm Jiangsu. And you also notice that, I guess, once you go a little bit deeper, you notice that um, while Ben's character is burning greenhouses for pleasure. Um, mm-hmm. Jung Soo's character has had to burn his mother's belongings due to him and his father's emotional pain right yeah. so their struggle is completely different um, mm-hmm. I think we see a little bit of the contrast between the great hunger and then the small hunger as well mm-hmm. um, but in the I think as you, as we just talked about Ben we can see that once we unfold the layers of this movie a little bit more we can see that Ben is someone who's really empty whereas um, Jung-soo is someone who has a lot stronger convictions about life. I mean, based on the interviews that I saw of the director Lee Chandong, he, jung might be kind of based on Lee Chandong himself.
0: Mm. Because
1: Lee chong favorite author is <laughs> Folk- Faulkner. Yeah, And Lee Chandong also says stuff like, he appreciates the mystery of life and he wants to keep these mysteries as they are, mm-hmm. which is why he didn't want to, you know, turn this movie into something that has clear answers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we mustn't forget um so the movie was roughly based off of two stories Mm -hmm. right both of them about burning barns Mm -hmm. and one of them was written by haruki murakami and then the other one was written by um the author mentioned throughout the movie um william william faulkner Faulkner. Mm -hmm. so i mean lee chun-dong has said in interviews that this movie is kind of set in the world of Murakami and he says that we're kind of living in the postmodernist world of mm-hmm. Murakami mm-hmm. Um, and that a lot of Korean audiences who are seeing this movie are probably participating in this Murakami world mm-hmm. whereas Lee Chundong seems to identify with Faulkner a bit more and he mm-hmm. says that I live the Murakami life but I identify with Faulkner mm-hmm. and it seems like the character Chung So is also someone who identifies with Faulkner and mm-hmm. he perceives the world in a Faulkner kind of way but... In this movie, he's inserted into this Murakami world, which is Mm -hmm. Ben's world.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, this Murakami over the post-run world, just not a lot of things make sense, Mm -hmm. right? Like, one thing happens after another, and sometimes there's not a direct connection between the things, and you can't really make up what just went on. It's kind of, it can be confusing, which also can be perceived as mysterious, right? Like, that, mm-hmm. that could be the quality to describe uh, the kind of life. And, and again, like, Chung-soo kind of strives to find a meaning. Yeah. Um, and he is really kind of fed up with, I guess, how people are treated in this kind of, like, postmodern, or, like, this Murakami world. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he is trying to get a job, like this the person who's like yeah. is offering the job literally just keeps calling him number three like where do yeah. you live number three it's kind of like really dehumanized monotone mm-hmm. like world and he despises it you can like kind of see it from mm-hmm. his reaction and he doesn't like almost doesn't want to participate but he has to participate yeah. in this world right like he has mm-hmm. to work he has to do that but he kind of despises the fact that he participates
1: yeah i'm not familiar with faulkner's work but i think lichendan said in an interview that he sees faulkner and murakami as existing on the opposite ends of a spectrum in the way they present worlds and the way they perceive them right Mm -hmm. i think faulkner is someone who has much stronger convictions the subjects that he writes about are typically more um, underdogs of society such as um, former slaves or descendants of slaves and mm. um, more working class people. Mm-hmm. And I think his works are a lot more set on defining, you know, having, applying definitions mm. to the plot elements. Um, whereas with Murakami in the postmodern world, things are abstract mm-hmm. and, you know, it's open to interpretation. You can, you kind of just, See things as these mysterious beings, and you um, try, try to, to understand. Try to mm-hmm. understand. You know, like try to make your own interpretation off of it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think indeed, like the whole mystery of this whole movie has
0: made that very mm-hmm. clear. Yeah. Yeah. Everything, I guess, uh, when everything gets added up um, towards the end of the film, it's it becomes really abstract, and Jung Su is kind of like after him disappears he's really trying to pinpoint something Mm -hmm. down he really wants to pinpoint something down but he can't really find like what kind of conclusions or what kind of interpretations he can make and in the end obviously you you do have to make a choice about how you are going to interpret and find meaning in this really abstract world and Mm -hmm. he does take I guess he does take an active step mm. in defining what it is for him yeah. and like how he's going to act towards the end of the film. But at the beginning, he's really like passive. He's he's very passive about <laughs> yeah. like 90% of the movie. Right? I know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, in the
1: end, when he kills Ben, um, we see that like he's decided to take in a no bullshit approach to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you, I mean, a lot of people can just be be like this is a mystery that can't be solved i'm not Mm -hmm.
0: gonna
1: i can't have any answers i'm not gonna deal with this Mm -hmm. but yeah in the end we really see him just perhaps taking the faulkner approach
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah dealing with life with bare hands um i think yeah um but we can talk more about the like the uh ending a bit later on um but um what about heimi what did you think of Hamy?
1: Amy's an interesting character, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning, I perceived her as teasing Jung-soo. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I guess she was. I mean, was. she was. Yeah. <laughs> she
0: was really, like, uh, teasing him.
1: Yeah, she was like, you know, she knows what she's doing. She's like, Jung-soo is like this guy who clearly really doesn't have that much going on in his life, um, aside from this whole um, farming thing and his dad. dealing with his father. Yeah. Um, but is this, like, hot girl, and... <laughs> she, yeah. <laughs> and, like, when she enters into jung life, clearly she's going to occupy yeah. a lot in his life, and yeah. she asks him to take care of her dog.
0: You mean the, the cat? The, the cat, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, she's... One thing that I really noticed is that she's really... Almost, um, when she's with jung I guess, at the, especially at the beginning, she was really straightforward and really... Mm-hmm. Inviting, you know, yeah. which can really take a guy by surprise. Like, why is this girl oh, yeah. so nice to me? That's kinda of like that with that manic fixity dream girl mm-hmm. archetype where right? like this really like bubbly, <laughs> like really interesting girl comes in and like she wants to give you all the attention and the mm-hmm. guy's just like, Wow, what is going on? He's into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see how he
1: smiles when you like yeah. comes to meet her. I know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, but it's also like the dynamic between them is um, pretty, like as you said, it's pretty balanced and like kind of like that about them. In the beginning, it's exactly pretty balanced, yeah. when they were like smoking together, mm-hmm. the conversation that happened between them is really natural and which is might be why Hemi was like so eager to just kind of continue mm-hmm. with him, right? Maybe the interaction was just really smooth and as she expected. Mm-hmm. the first few interactions so she was really like inviting and she was really like open to bring him into her life um but um I thought hamie was kind of like a blank
1: canvas and then she was kind of looking for her own meaning mm-hmm. um and I feel like when she mentioned stuff like oh like I got plastic surgery mm-hmm. and like you called me ugly before and stuff like that she was kind of searching for this new
0: life mm-hmm. um almost like the saddest thing is yes i think she is searching for uh first and foremost maybe the meaning of life and second of all she's really lonely really Mm -hmm. lonely um so she's looking for a connection and i personally felt like she was looking for that connection from jungsu and also from ben but none were able to kind of give it to her in a way and like her end result is just that she's really kind of to me i perceived her as just being really disappointed like it's just all the the small hurtful things that jungsu says and she obviously knows ben like why ben is meeting her right like Mm -hmm. she knows it but she just goes along with it yeah and it's just like deep down she's hurting a lot (laughs) by the small gestures that is made by these two guys especially Jung Soo right Jung Soo uh, we can talk about his mean <laughs> comments yeah <laughs> that was mean
1: um, yeah I think um, Heimi was kind of trying to fit into that perceived life that people like Ben live in mm-hmm. you know like her going to Africa um, her picking up these new um, class yes, interests yes, yeah
0: hobbies
1: yeah it seemed like she wanted to live that sort of this free and like Mm -hmm. this great hunger life you know where she's Mm -hmm. searching for her meaning in life Mm -hmm. but well we know that she was struggling with her credit card debt and like she didn't have um she had a strained relationship with her family Mm -hmm. so in a sense her background is even you know actually more similar to Jiangsu's and they're from the same town so I think yeah in the in a truthful sense Haimi and Jung-soo are more similar in where they're from but
0: Haimi's kind of trying to ascend that life mm-hmm. um, yeah so why don't we talk about Jung-soo's, some of i mean his mean mean gestures uh, towards Haimi that Haimi was really hurt yeah. but you can just tell it by her expression I think the first
1: one that I remember is when they were both at the on the balcony of Ben's Um, Mm -hmm. Ben's apartment and Jung-soo said something like why do you think he's hanging out with you right? Yeah He's like he's he's basically implying that he's only
0: hanging out with you to entertain himself you're not really that important to him It's almost like suggestive saying like you know that you're not on his level right? Mm -hmm. Almost like that you know the sub sub context underneath it is like that Yeah
1: Um, and I guess the second time that Jung-soo has said something Weird to her was when um they all smoke pot and you know, caught in her emotions and I guess caught in the feeling of the moment, Amy decides to do the dance that mm-hmm. she's been talking about throughout the movie. and mm-hmm. while she's doing that, she takes off her top, um which was actually a moment of a good like expression for her. Mm-hmm, she was expressing exactly. her freedom, and after that was done, mm-hmm. Jing actually tells her, why did in the you, morning, yeah. Why did you take off your top, right? Like, yeah, only... why would you do that in front of men? Only only whores do that.
0: Yeah, and... Um, I guess those are the two moments where he is directly really um, hurtful with his words vocally. And another time is when... Um, after the dinner, uh, Ben asks uh, Himi, like, do you want me to take you home? And uh, hemi uh, before giving answer to Ben, he just, lo- she just, sorry, she just looks at, uh, Jung uh, almost like waiting for him to say something, uh, maybe something along the lines of like, I can, you can, you can go with me, uh, but obviously Jung Soo being kind of passive and maybe being like a little bit intimidated by Ben's presence, he, um, Uh, doesn't kind of give the response that he is expecting and she keeps looking at him and you can kind of tell from her body language that she does really want to the person that she wants to go home was actually jungso not ben but yeah so there's this uh, small instances where uh Jungsu is incapable of taking like an active involvement mm-hmm. in the relationship or active steps to actually progress the relationship. Yeah. And it's only up until Hae disappears that Jungsu kind of starts mm-hmm. actually <laughs> making moves. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, and I feel like after that comment when Jung-soo was like, "Only whores do that," I think Hae doesn't even like look at him. Right? She seems mm-hmm. really disappointed, as
0: you said. And, and just goes into, like, Ben's car and just yeah. runs away. And that's the last time jung is ever going to see her. Mm-hmm, which is really sad. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because Jung-soo also disclosed that, like, sh- he is in love with Mi that night mm-hmm. to Ben, not yeah. to her. Which which it's, is just super passive. Yeah, so passive. Yeah, yeah. missed chance.
1: But I feel like even though Ben, like, on the surface level, seems to be a bit more accepting of heimmy mm-hmm. like he doesn't say anything like that to heimmy right mm-hmm. but i feel like that kind of represents like a superficial level of acceptance mm-hmm. because like i don't think that ben is someone to be like yeah girl take off your top like <laughs> yeah, <sexual> no. empowerment <laughs> no <'cause> he's <laughs> only like just watching her observing mm-hmm. her um, yeah he just like i think like heimmy finds comfort in ben's lack of judgment Mm-hmm. Whereas Jung Soo is, like, really judgmental. Yeah, and um, he can't hide it. Yeah. Which which one might think is, like, Ben is a really non-judgmental guy. But I don't think that's the case. I think he's just, like, as we described further, mm-hmm. as we described before, like, that postmodern, like, no interpretation. Yeah. And, like, he just sees Heimi as some sort of, like, entertainment to him. Yeah. right? But, yeah, maybe we should talk about Heimi's disappearance.
0: Yeah. So, um so yeah so he disappearance is i guess one of the mysteries of the movie where you can make your own interpretation um so how did you kind of interpret her
1: well i thought that i mean i thought ben killed her and the reason why is because he literally had that collection of I guess items that he kept from women and one of them was Hamie's watch right the -hmm. pink watch that she got in the beginning of the movie and also the fact that Hamy's cat was gone Mm -hmm. but that like Ben had the exact same cat who was um, recognizing the name Boyle Um, and I feel like those are really strong evidences so I kind of decided to take the no bullshit like Faulkner
0: Faulkner (laughs) approach yeah (laughs) yeah For me, um, I thought that Haime's disappearance, um, I kind of thought of it in a more kind of like spiritual vanishment kind of way, not like a literal like her body getting killed or physically getting killed. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's because to me personally, I thought she was looking for something. She was maybe looking for a refuge or like a warmth in either of these men. And obviously Jung Soo would kind of uh, take part as... It's like a familiar space, right? She couldn't find it from that, uh, from there. And then she also couldn't find it in a guy like Ben, who's exciting and who's, I guess, representative of the life that she wanted to occupy or be part of. And because like she couldn't find anything and even after she went to... Um, Kenya, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think she found the answers that she was looking for. Um, mm-hmm. That's the kind of conclusion I made. So, after all this search and after like kind of all the disappointments that she endured from either sides of all the relationships that she had, not just jung Soo and Ben, also her family too. Mm-hmm. So, based on that, I felt like her spirit was dead that's why she just kind of vanished away it's like there's no point in her being in their lives anymore she already almost like to me only to me made the conclusion that this is not where i I would find what i'm looking for so maybe she's looking for it in a different place so i guess you could call that more of the murakami approach um yeah maybe her death was like symbolic in the movie yeah that's how i kind of interpreted um her disappearance yeah, I guess in the physical realm, like
1: maybe she wasn't dead. Maybe anything could have happened mm-hmm. to her. But I guess the movie didn't really want to explore that any further. It's just yeah. that she disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, as we were talking about how Haimi was kind of trying to make this transition between these two worlds, these two South Koreas, we said earlier, like before this podcast, that maybe her attempt to transition mm-hmm. from the from the old world into the new world was kind of um, Fruitless right because because mm-hmm. if in the new world, if she finds someone like Ben someone super hollow and empty, and if that's what this world represents, then she really has nowhere to go, yes,
0: yeah, so and she's not like mm-hmm. that like she she's not like that mm-hmm. yeah, so she can't I don't think she can be fully accepted in that world, yeah. even if she tried
1: yeah, so maybe mm-hmm. she had like some sort of symbolic disappearance at the intersection of these two
0: worlds mm-hmm. yeah yes, she made an attempt, but. Mm-hmm. the attempt didn't give any result <laughs> well i guess she managed but yeah um yeah so after him is appearance, so now we can kind of go on to talk about the ending of the movie oh yeah yeah so what did you think of the ending um, scene um or just kind of like jungsu's kind of progression <laughs> oh. towards that um final scene
1: yeah jungsoo was taking actions he was like yeah. looking at all the greenhouses he running was, like, every morning he was stalking <laughs> ben's character
0: oh uh, yeah, yeah that stalking was uh, creepy <laughs> <laughs> and it was really
1: obvious like yeah. ben will clearly be able to identify his truck
0: right yeah that truck is white like it's white super big and obviously, it's, like, in the neighborhood. That's... that's yeah, yeah, he's like, just, yeah. like, driving around Gundam and yeah.
1: trying to stalk um, yeah. Ben, which is just super obvious. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't... I think when I was first watching the movie, I think I was surprised by the fact that jung killed Ben. Mm. I didn't expect that from him because, <laughs> you know, he comes off as, a, as someone who's just really passive. hmm it's it's also ironic because in the mo- in the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. we find him talking about his father in a really um disdainful way. Mm-hmm. He says like my father has anger issues like mm-hmm. I don't know. He rage. says like, yeah, yeah a lot I don't of rage inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and his father is like like in trial on trial for mm-hmm. hurting like a police officer's hand or yeah. Yeah, and um he doesn't want to turn out like his that mm-hmm. but the ironic thing is that he turns out exactly or even worse Mm -hmm. um, than his father and the fact that he uses um a knife from his like uh father's collection knife collection to kill ben to me um i almost thought that because jungsoo was so fixated on ben almost obsessed in a way right even when heimi and all of those three are together uh, jung spends more time looking and observing mm-hmm. uh, Ben, right? What he's doing, what he's saying, and all of that. And there's like this fixation on Ben that they, because there's no common ground for them, because Ben says that the only time that he feels the base in his heart is when uh, he burns greenhouses, right? Mm-hmm. And later after um, Hami's disappearance, when... Uh, Jung-soo attends the party at Ben's place and decides to leave early. Ben kind of kind of just like teases him and says something like, you should enjoy life more, yeah. which obviously pisses off uh, Jung-soo. He's not in the state to enjoy things at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> His love interest literally vanished away. Um, but that comment uh, and the fact that Jung-soo kills him at the end is almost like because jung made that uh, conclusion that Ben killed uh, He-mi, which in Ben's story would be the greenhouse that he burns, because of that, I almost felt like could Jung-soo be like, emulating uh, Ben in a way, mm-hmm. maybe wanting to feel what he felt. So to me, in a way, maybe it was like one state of mind where uh, Jung-soo felt like There would be some kind of common ground and some kind of like way to relate to him or like feel what he was feeling through that action. Mm -hmm. So that's how I kind of um, processed the ending. It's, again, it's ironic. Yeah, (laughs) it's so.
1: (laughs) I I think even if he wasn't exactly taking a hint from Ben to do Mm -hmm. some killing, I think it's pretty interesting that the filmmakers make sure to put the killing after he says feel a base in your heart. Mm -hmm. That's what killing
0: is associated with in this movie. And then also, like, another thing about, I guess, the ending is that, you know, Ben is always saying things, like, I like to burn greenhouses, Mm -hmm. I like to do this, right? And in the end, Jung-soo is the one who's actually doing all the, I guess, actions of the thing, actions of the things mentioned. He literally commits homicide and Mm -hmm. then becomes an arsonist because he sets Ben on fire, literally, in his car. So in the end, John has kind of like... No, (laughs) Jung-soo, not John. (laughs) John, uh, Jung-soo kind of literalizes Ben's ideas. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was
1: satisfying because I think Jung-soo's rage towards Ben wasn't just like... On a personal level, mm-hmm. I think it was a rage towards that sort of environment, and that sort of mm-hmm. state that South Korea is in, and yeah. that sort of state that Lee Chun Dong is describing. Right. Mm-hmm. So,
0: I guess it's a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a way, he's um, he takes an active role to destroy it mm-hmm. with his bare hands because Ben is a guy that kind of represents capitalism and like that kind of um, progress, mm-hmm. right? All the yeah. development progress. Uh, kind of dehumanized way of kind of living yeah. and interacting um and then and then another one thing interesting thing that i noticed from the ending scene is like when after Su kind of knives ben i don't know how many times so many times yeah. <laughs> um it's there's almost like that scene of uh, ben holding on to Su is almost like a hug it's mm-hmm. kind of weird like it's not weird but i guess it's kind of like you can interpret it as a hug because he's it's like ben is holding so dearly mm-hmm. onto him um i was like embrace right maybe maybe that's the only moment where ben felt alive you know oh probably <laughs> yeah as the man said himself he never cried in his mm-hmm. life um didn't even cry when he died so yeah yeah probably only time he was like wow this emotions <laughs> it's more than the bass in my like that i felt like that i felt from burning greenhouses or whatever
1: yeah do you remember that article that said something like li chun is still angry at i guess current state of life that young people had to struggle through and like um, in the beginning of the movie when Jung-soo is watching TV, we hear news people saying something like the unemployment rate of South Koreans is like increasing or something like that.
0: Yeah, In the youth population, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it kind of, I guess, speaks for like young people's rage in a way, mm-hmm. because based on what I read about South Korea, it seems like it's really an environment where it's difficult to climb the social ladder which it which it is in like in most places but um south korea is pretty notorious for having someone's entire destiny just be determined by like let's say their academic performance in
0: high school yeah exactly yeah and then climbing a social ladder especially if you're coming from like a small town let's say it's kind of expected of you and that's what your parents are almost Mm -hmm. wanting you to do and um So there's a lot of expectation on that part. And also, I think, in a way, not only just, like, young people's rage, but also, like, their confusion in just this world. It's like they're 20. They're so young and (laughs) literally just graduated university, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to make a living. And it it is a confusing world. Mm -hmm. Like, after you graduate from university, life feels really yeah big and I like, guess not big it just feels really open mm-hmm. <laughs> there's just a lot of um i guess like roads that you can take and yeah. it's kind of like the thought process of like why am i doing this like what's the point what's the meaning mm-hmm. dealing with that internally and then also having to go out and interact with people and like work all that is it, it's hard i would mm-hmm. say <laughs> it's hard yeah, for sure. <laughs> on young people
1: yeah. I like that Jung-soo's character is kind of his confusion and his rage is kind of symbolic of all of that, I think. Yeah. Cuz he like next to Ben, he's pretty helpless, you know. Yeah. He can't even tell the girl that he likes that he <laughs> likes <laughs> yes. her. Um,
0: he's just so intimidated by this this dude. Yeah. And then also like what I felt also kind of sad about is just kind of how Amy is just perceived by both of these men. To me, it felt like Hemi in a lot of the parts of the movie, mm-hmm. and there was only a few moments where like Hemi was kind of really expressing herself yeah. person- on a personal level or like really from herself. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a lot of the interactions and a lot of the scenes, it's always just kind of like she's either in the frame with Ben or either in the frame with Jung-soo. And it's just kind of like she's this almost like a... Like a pigment of imagination that these two men have. Mm-hmm. Obviously, two different versions. And it's just kind of like bouncing between them. You know, it's almost like Hami is not real. Hami is definitely not a perfect character. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, she's like really misunderstood, but it also kind of seems like she's feeling, trying to fill the void inside of her, yeah. possibly with like John Sue and like just the fact that she keeps seeing Ben, right? Mm-hmm. I guess, for the sake of this movie, she has to, but um I think that's a that's a common situation that a lot of
0: women mm-hmm. can face, yeah, and then I guess just I guess the glimpses that we get from her, I guess how her family is like mm-hmm. you know, when Jong Su goes out to find Mi's mom, um they say things like, "Oh, she probably lied to you, she's like a good storyteller, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. So you can kind of get the sense that um, maybe her family was not used to or didn't really see Heimi the way she is, yeah. right? So she obviously didn't get that kind of acceptance from her family. And then the fact that Jung-soo called her ugly, and then the fact that like she <laughs> went up to get surgery, um, plastic surgery. And there's a lot of things that she, I guess, does to get accepted mm-hmm. and to find something, I guess, in men sometimes i guess people do try to fill the void with men <laughs> um, people um, have been
1: known to try to fill the yeah void with they've men. been
0: kn- known to try uh i can't say 100 percent but uh, i've heard people do that <laughs> yeah yeah um i like that
1: jungso is not a completely perfect or likable character either it's not like the filmmaker has some sort of Moral story to tell, and yeah. he's trying to tell that story through Jiangsu, right? Mm-hmm. He's clearly like a misogynist, and like yeah, I really guess, clumsy. I guess that's his flaw.
0: Yeah, clumsy, passive. Yeah, he's he's a handsome actor, not a good character in the movie. <laughs> he's a great actor. By the yeah, way. yeah, yeah, he's wow. His like acting is superbly good. Mm-hmm. It's like the expressions that he makes is just like wow <laughs> like <laughs> how yeah. can someone act so like subtly right? yeah but apparently so like the, yeah the director like knew it from the beginning that he was going to be the main character mm. and Stephen Steven Yeun kind of entered the picture like like yeah. later um, and Jamie was the new up and coming actor that didn't have any she expression. didn't have any like yeah, on screen no. experience apparently yeah, like. and but yes yeah. so good
1: <laughs> yeah all of all three of them
0: really bodied their roles yeah yeah it's it was it was a really good experience the whole movie
1: I think that's yeah I guess I think we're gonna wrap it so thanks for listening to our second episode. We hope to see you another time. um we don't know what other movie we're gonna make a commentary on, yeah Maybe we're not sure <laughs> we're thinking either
0: camera buff or uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay camera buff is good so maybe but thanks for tuning in and um thanks for staying till the end (laughs) if you stayed till now okay okay see ya bye (laughs)